Welcome to another podcast by Dr. Dennis Smith, Senior Pastor of Covenant Life Ministries. To find out more, go to lifeandfocustv.com. We've been talking about the keys to a powerful prayer life since way back in July. And uh, it's... Uh, It will not be what the Lord intended it to be until it becomes a way of life for us. And so uh, we spent a lot of weeks there, and, and I've shared a lot of information. We've covered a lot of scripture. And I'm sure that many of you have made a, a greater effort to make prayer that vital part of your day to learn how to pray, prayer of faith. And as you're growing this, learn it is a process. It is a process. And maybe you're looking back over the last seven or eight weeks and saying, you know, when we first started, I, I really envisioned that, you know, my prayer life would be at a much higher place, a, a stronger place by now. And so what do we do if that happens? If you're kind of disappointed in, in where you are now in that, uh, what we do is this. We repent. Lord, I'm sorry. Lord, forgive me, I've not, been, uh, I've not been as diligent with this. I've not trusted the Holy Spirit to help me. I've not applied myself and applied this in my life. Forgive me. And by your grace, by your help, help me to begin today to see, Lord, my life transformed as prayer becomes a vital part of my everyday life. And if you do that, then that's great. That makes today a great day to start. Let's start off this morning, and we're going to talk about uh, after you pray, what then? After you pray, what then? I want to start off with just a few statements for us to think about, a few quotes from individuals and a couple of statements concerning prayer. And let's begin to focus our, our thought on, uh, on this today. So first of all, I want you to look up at, at this statement made by E.M. Bounds. Yes, there it is. Prayer has all the force of God in it. Now think about that for a moment. I, that prayer has all the force of God in it. In other words, when you agree with God's word, and God's word has, is powerful, when you agree with what God says, when you line up with what he says he'll do, you line up with his power. You line up in a place to see accomplished only what God can accomplish. Prayer has all the force of God in it. He goes on and says, Prayer should not be regarded as a duty which must be performed, but rather as a privilege to be engaged, a rare delight that's always revealing some new beauty. Then also look at this. Prayer, for the most part, is an untapped resource. Prayers cannot be answered until they're prayed. If not, because you ask not. It's an untapped resource. So often, even in the church, you and I can say, man, I really believe in prayer. I believe in the power of prayer. But if we don't tap into that, then there, there are no results. You know, you, you have to tap into it. And when F.B. Myers said, the great tragedy in life is not unanswered prayer, but unoffered prayer, he's exactly right. It's important for us to learn to pray with your focus on God. 
You and I need to learn it. Pray with your focus on God and not on your problem. In other words, while you're praying, dwell on the answer, not on the problem. Otherwise, your prayer is going to be governed by the circumstances around you instead of governed by what God says about those circumstances. Prayer is not a gadget to use when nothing else works. Now understand this, and I think we deal with this. Every one of us have dealt with this at one time or another. Prayer is never wasted time. We'll say that all together. Prayer is never wasted time. Prayer is always worth your time. Because I think that's a tendency many times. We get up in the morning. We've got an entire day ahead of us. We know what needs to be accomplished during that day. So we get up and say, well, I really need to spend some time in prayer. And so then what normally happens? You may get started. You may actually, you know, instead of putting off, you may actually get started in prayer. And then as you're praying, then you're confronted with thoughts, things that go through your mind about everything that you need to do that day. And, and, and that you're distracted by so much because we think, well, I've got to hurry up. Now think of, just think about this. If prayer has the very force of God in it, and we have the idea that, you know, I've got to hurry up and pray because I have important things to do, then we must be missing it somewhere, right? Think about that. So prayer's not wasted time. It's always time well used. Uh, now, I don't, think that, uh, I don't think that many of us are probably in a situation where Martin Luther and the Great Reformation uh, Protestant Reformation, I don't think we're probably to this point where he said, I have so much to do that I shall spend the first three hours in prayer. He said, I've got so much to do, I've got to start with three hours of prayer. Well, three hours of prayer might be stretched a little bit, but you know, let's take this mindset. Think about it. Take this mindset. You know, I do have so much to do today. In fact, I don't know where to start. And while that's going through your mind, say, I tell you, God, I do know where to start. I'm going to start with you. And if you and I can learn to do that, here's what happens. You know, I know there's only 24 hours in a day. But there's something about putting God's word first that blesses the rest. There's something about putting God's first that increases and so what happens in that is there are no more minutes in the hour, no more hours in the day. But as you put him first and seek him first and pray first, then he will help order your day, help you prioritize your day, help you to do some things more quickly. He will give you peace inside to get those things accomplished. What a valuable lesson for us to learn. So very valuable. And Byron Edwards wrote, he said, true prayer always receives what it asks for or something better. That's the kind of God we have. I want us to go to three of our primary verses we've used over the past several weeks and get started by using those this morning. Let's go to James chapter 5, uh, verse 16, the last part of that verse. James chapter 5, verse 16. The effective fervent prayer or we could say the heartfelt persistent prayer of a righteous man of a believer, a follower of Christ avails much accomplishes much produces great results 
And now let's go to one of the other main verses we've used. I think it's a good way to start. Let's remind ourselves of actually what God says about what prayer can do. Look at 1 John chapter 5, verse 14, 15, what God does through prayer. 1 John chapter 5, verse 14, 15. Now, this is the confidence that we have in Him, that if we ask anything according to His will, according to what pleases Him, lines up with His word, then He hears us. It says we've got confidence, and that's the God we have. The kind of God we have is we've got confidence in Him that if we ask, He hears us. Verse 15 continues. And if we know that He hears us, if we've got confidence then that if we ask, He hears us, and if we know He hears us, whatever we ask, we know or have confidence that the petitions that we have asked for him, that, that we have received the petitions. New Living Translation says, since we know he hears us when we make our request, we also know that he will give us what we ask for. That is a strong statement. Philippians chapter 4, verse 6 and 7 is one of the, our favorites we've used over the past several weeks too. Let's take a moment and look at that. I'm in the Amplified Bible. It says, do not be anxious or worried about anything, but in everything, every circumstance and situation, by prayer and petition and thanksgiving, continue to make your specific requests known to God. Don't worry about anything. Pray about everything. Trust God in that situation. Make your requests made known to God and then give Him thanks. If we learn to do that, then we overcome fear, we overcome anxiety. And that's the life the Lord wants us to walk in. Now this morning, I want to walk through, I want to look at four things. I want to name four words that will help us when it comes to the question, after I pray, what then? Or when I pray, what then? And the first word is the word believe. When you pray, after you pray, believe. Believe, now that's very basic, isn't it? Believe, in other words, believe that you receive what you've asked for. It wasn't just my idea, this is actually the Lord's idea. Jesus said in Mark chapter 11, verse 24, Mark chapter 11, verse 24, Jesus said, whatever things you ask when you pray, he actually doesn't say wait till after you pray, he says while you're praying it, go ahead and believe it. Whatever you ask when you pray, believe that you receive them and you will have them. Now, the Amplified Version, I think, really pinpoints what this is saying. It says, for this reason, Jesus says, I'm telling you, whatever things you ask in prayer in accordance with God's will, get this now, believe with confident trust that you have, past tense, that you have received them and they will be given to you. Now, first glance, that doesn't seem to make very much sense. But believe that you have them, but then you will have them. But that's one aspect of faith and prayer that you and I uh, need to get a clear understanding on. We need to clearly understand. Is that when we pray from our heart and we truly believe it and it lines up with his word, God says he will answer it. That's what he says. He says he'll answer it. 
the, the only way around that is to say, well, I don't really believe that what Jesus said is for us today. It's only for those who lived back during his day in the church. There's no credible evidence at all to prove that. Nothing at all in the scripture that teaches that things have changed since the first generation of believers. We're to walk in the same power and the same authority, the same anointing, the same gifts of the Holy Spirit, the same everything that Jesus promised to believers then is available to his followers now. Well, I don't feel like that. I don't see that working too much in my life. Well, what we said, don't dwell on the problem, don't dwell on the circumstances, but dwell on what he says about it. We have to remember who we are, remember who he's called us to be, remember the promises that he's given. And here with Mark, he says, now when you're praying, when you're praying, believe that God has given to them because the Bible clearly teaches that everything that is necessary for salvation, everything that's necessary in our life, Jesus accomplished on the cross through his resurrection. Everything has already been done. It's finished. So we say, I need healing. The Lord doesn't have to heal you. He has already healed you. Now, I know when we talk about these things, there's some unanswered questions. And there's some people walking through things that say, well, I don't understand why there's no breakthrough in this area. Well, I don't either. There can be a lot of things involved when it seems that prayer isn't working the way it's supposed to be, that faith is not producing what, what uh, God says it will produce. I, I understand that. I understand that there's an enemy, a source of evil. I understand that sometimes things don't turn out the way we thought they would. I understand all those things. I've walked that path too. I understand that. The tendency is, though, for us to simply back away from our faith and confidence in God. The tendency is to begin to make excuses why it's not happening. Understand that many times when it comes to God answering prayer, when it comes to faith walk, we have to get to a place where we genuinely, genuinely believe. We really believe God has already accomplished it. And when we believe it, by faith, we believe that he will manifest it. I don't know exactly when. It could be immediately. But sometimes answers to prayer happen over a period of time. I think sometimes we take longer receiving from God that's necessary because of our own problems. But there are sometimes because of so many other things going on, too numerous to talk about this morning, that as you get down before the Lord in faith and believe and trust his word, keep getting his word into you so that it becomes so real, so alive, it's living in you. And then after a period of time, you just begin to dwell in that. You live, you live that. It becomes real to you, more real to you. And what you may see happen then is instead of there being some immediate change that happens as an answer to your prayer, you'll begin to see the answer coming step by step by step by step. I've seen that happen uh, on, on occasions when it comes to uh, physical healing. I believe that God has provided healing, supernatural We've been prayed for, didn't get healed. What is the problem? Well, most of the time, many times, it is because as a church, we struggle really believing God for those things and receiving the miraculous. We, we struggle with that. It's kind of like we have to see it first to believe it. 
But there have been times when you pray for someone and there's no visible change at all. Then do you walk away and say, well, I guess God just didn't want to heal me today? No, you walk away and say, God, I thank you that you're my healer. I thank you, Lord, that you're working in my life. And I thank you that that healing is being produced in my life day by day and week by week and month by month till I will see it come to pass completely. Prayer oftentimes works in that progressive way. The issue we face, the situation we face is when we do pray and there is a waiting time afterwards and we don't see any results of those prayers, the tendency is begin to say, well, either I just didn't have enough faith. We have to really search our hearts and see about that. I just didn't have enough faith or it wasn't God's will. But wait, we already said we can find God's will in the scripture and if we pray according to his will, then he says he'll answer it. These are things that we must learn we must walk in and see that it doesn't always happen just immediately, but if you get it down inside of you that it has already happened according to his will, according to his power, and now what you're waiting on is you're waiting in faith and anticipation and believing that you're going to be, begin to see changes take place. Walk in that, walk in that. Believe that you receive when you pray. Believe that you've received them. Now, how many of you have ever encountered the question, I certainly have have asked it, and I have had, I've been asked by many people who say, now, if I believe God answers my prayer, and he's already done that when I pray, should I continue to ask, is that a lack of faith? In other words, I say, God, I'm believing you for a particular thing, and I know it lines up with your word, and I ask you in your name, Jesus, and you said if I ask according to your will, then I'll receive what I ask, and this is what I'm doing right now, Lord, and I believe that it's done in Jesus' name. If you're praying with your eyes closed, sometimes you open them and you'd literally love to see it right there before you the answer, but that's not usually the case. And you've prayed, you've said, this is what I believe, and here's what you say. It is done. Well, then you find yourself when it doesn't happen, you find yourself going and trying again the next day. Lord, I know I asked you before, but I'm asking again, and I believe that it's done. Now, think about it, in, think about it along the lines of, uh, of a heavenly father and earthly father. If your child comes to you and asks you something that he or she needs, something that you desire to bless them with, in fact, you've got everything you need, you've got it all to supply your child with what they're asking for. And they come to you and they say, Daddy, can I have this? And you say, sure. Sure, you can have this here. Sure. It's yours. Well, they walk away and they come back the next day and say, Daddy, can I have, oh, I already gave, I gave that to you yesterday. I, I've, I've already given that. Why do you keep coming back to me and asking me? Because I've already given that to you. Now, if we can see the results of what we asked for, then certainly we can believe it's already been given to us. But if we can't see it, if Daddy just promises it, that, hey, it's yours, we should believe it's ours. We should believe it's ours. And to come back the next day and the next day and the next day and say, Daddy, can I have it? Can, can I, will you give this to me? Seems to be an insult against God, an insult, if you will, against 
a caring father. Why would you keep coming back? Is that, or do you just have so little faith that you didn't believe that I answered your prayer to begin with? And so people say, well, when I, am I supposed to keep on asking in prayer when it says God's already done this for me? Is that, am I supposed to keep asking in prayer? What's the answer to that? Let me give you what I believe the answer to be. Yes and no. Yes. There is prayer. There is, let me, let me explain that. When we pray and knows that he answers it, we know that what we've asked him is done. Faith inside of us rises up. We begin to give him thanks. What it boils down to is when you're praying Believe in God for something. Believe in God for answers to prayer. A prayer of faith that receives something, has already received it, could be built around these things. First of all, here's what I do. When I'm praying, I go to the Word and I determine what God's will is, what He says about the situation I'm praying about. Secondly, I pray in agreement with what God says He wants to take place. Thirdly, I receive it by faith that it's already been done, it's settled, and then instead of going back every day and saying, Lord, give this to me, please give this to me. Lord, I ask you, I request of you, I'm keeping on asking you. I know you said you've already done it, but I'm going to keep on asking you. No, what happens during that process is if you genuinely, genuinely down deep in your heart believe you and pray in according to God's will and you know that he's done it, you're, you're, the way you pray changes. When you come before the Lord after that, it's not, Lord, please, I've asked you to answer this prayer. Provide this for me, Lord. Here's what your prayer. When you believe it in your heart and you know it's done, when you know that, there's a transition. Next, you begin praying this way until you see it manifest, until you see it with your own eyes. Here's how you pray. Lord, I thank you that you've heard my prayer, that you've answered my prayer, and according to your word, it is done, and I receive it in Jesus' name. And then you just continue every day to praise Him and thank Him for it until you see it. But what do we do with verses like Jesus said in Matthew when He said, ask, which uh, A-S-K, ask, ask, and it'll be given to you. Seek, and you'll find and knock and be open to you. What do we do with verses like that? Um, actually, the flavor of that in Greek would be ask and keep on asking. Seek and keep on seeking and knock and keep on knocking. Well, now that sounds like a real contradiction from what I just said. When you actually see the progression there, there's a beginning point in prayer of asking and then you intensify in your praying. You get more focused, more fervent. That's when you're seeking, seeking the Lord's clear direction, will, and seeking God to show you what he needs to show you in the situation, seeking God to bring about that manifestation of life. And then there's the knocking, which I think is, is when you put it into action and you begin to say, God, I'm going to press on in. I believe for breakthrough, and God, you're going to bring this to pass. There is... There are times when we're, we're supposed to keep on asking, keep on praying. Let me, 
name three situations, I think, when it's right to keep praying. First, it's, it's right to keep praying in order to increase. Pray for God to increase your understanding and clarity. Lord, increase my understanding and, my, and, and, and clarity in these situations. Holy Spirit, help me to know how to pray. Because, you know, sometimes circumstances change. And so as you pray, you keep on praying. Say, Lord, just, just give me increased understanding here. I think it's all right. I think it's right to pray, continue to pray and asking when you're asking uh, when you're coming for the Lord in, in spiritual warfare, when you're waging war against the enemy through prayer, through spiritual warfare. Uh, when you pray, there are times that the enemy, that there are spirits in high places, there's evil there. there the enemy wants to prevent you from receiving God. And there are times to continue to press on in and continue asking because it's a, it's a, it's a warfare being waged. Now, Jesus has already defeated Satan. His work's already been destroyed. But still, there is the attempt that is made, an attempt made against us to keep us from what God wants us to have and wants us to know. And there are times that we need to persist in prayer because there's a battle going on. And sometimes it's in our mind. There's a battle going on that we believe that there's going to be breakthrough and we'll receive from God. I think it's right to keep asking there. I think it's right to keep asking in prayer to ask for perpetual needs is what I call them. In other words, uh, I need to ask the Lord for wisdom every day. I need to ask the Lord for insight every day. Ask God for wisdom today. I'm going to get up tomorrow morning and say, Lord, I need your wisdom for today. I ask him for guidance. Lord, I, I ask you for guidance. My, the steps of a good man, a good woman are ordered to the Lord. Holy Spirit, guide me today. I want to pray that kind of prayer every day. Lord, give me insight. Give me wisdom. Give me guidance. Believe, when you pray, believe that you receive. The second word I want you to look at here is when you pray, here's what you need to do. You need to stand. You need to stand. In other words, stay in faith. Stay in faith. There's a waiting period between the time when you started praying and asking and then when you see the answer there, isn't there? Look at James chapter 1, verse 6 and 7. James chapter 1, verse 6 and 7. The Bible says, but let him ask, and of course he's referring to wisdom in this this particular context, but I think it refers to, to all, all aspects of asking God here. But let him ask with no doubting, for he who doubts is like a wave of the sea driven and tossed by the wind. In other words, don't waver. Don't be divided in this. Don't be unsettled in your praying. Stand in faith. Don't waffle back and forth. Verse 7 says that if you do that, that if you're always walking back where you're tossed about, you be, I believe and yet, oh, I don't know. I wonder, I'm not sure God's going to, all these things going on in your mind. Verse 7 says, if you do that, for let that man suppose that he will, that he will not receive anything. Let not that man suppose that he will receive anything at all from the Lord. In other words, this idea of praying and then Back and forth and back and forth, I believe, I don't believe, I wonder, I doubt, I, 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 I don't. When you get into that confusion and that doubt, it, it, it's something going on in your mind and you're struggling with it 
And as you're bouncing back and forth in this thing, don't expect to have good results in your prayer. It just won't happen. You and I must learn to stand firm. The scripture says in 1 Corinthians and also in Colossians 1, it says continue in faith, be grounded, be steadfast. And that's the way we want to be in our praying, absolutely. The third word I want us to look at when it, we're looking at the idea of after I pray, what then, what should I do, is confess. Confess. Now, I'm not talking about confessing in the sense of confessing your sins, though that might be an aspect of it. If you've sinned and against God and you need to confess them against forgiveness, then do that. The Bible says if we confess our sins, He's faithful and just to forgive us our sins, cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Confession. The word confession actually in the Greek means to say the same thing as, to agree with, to say the same thing as. So what you want to do is when you pray is to say, let your words line up with what you prayed for, with how you prayed. Now, uh, this, is, this is critical. This is very critical. Because you can pray and it seems like faith stirred up inside of you and, you know, maybe you haven't got to the point of faith yet, but hope's rising up in you. You just, God's going to do this. Yes, I believe you, God. I prayed for it. You said that you would answer it. And then before you get, before you take 10 steps, begin to wonder how God's going to do it. I don't see how that would ever be possible. And all of a sudden, you come back over in this area to where your language, your words are undoing your prayers. You can defeat your praying by your saying. In Romans 10, uh, and of course as we think about it in reference to salvation, where it talks about the, the importance of believing your heart and confessing with your mouth that Jesus Christ, he died on the cross, he raised from the dead, then that, that's your confession. It says, it says that you, you believe in your heart and then you confess with your mouth to appropriate that salvation or to see the manifestation of it. When we invite people to come to Christ or when you're sharing with someone, uh, witnessing to them and, and they have an opportunity to say, yes, I want to come to Christ. Jesus, I need you in my life. Then they must come to a place of realizing I've sinned against God. I, I don't have a relationship with God. That relationship is broken. But now I understand that Jesus made a way for that relationship, for me to have that relationship again, for my sins to be forgiven. Lord, I confess my sin before you. I have sinned against you. And as you do that in prayer, repent, change your mind, turn toward the Lord. Then, you know, how many times have you heard me say it's important for you to make a public profession or confession? We've done this throughout church history that people make a confession. that We call it a profession of faith or a confession of faith. What is that? That's an open statement declaring your faith in Christ. Do you know that it's important for every person who has surrendered their life to Christ to make an open profession or confession? Is that the difference between being saved and lost? No, I'm not saying that. 
I'm saying that it's, it's a matter of obedience and it's, God will do something in your heart if you just, it doesn't have to be for an entire church group, but that's oftentimes a good way to do it, is to declare, Jesus, thank you. I am declaring and saying today that I have received Jesus as my Savior. I believed on Him as my Savior, and I thank Him for saving me. Whatever words you might use, but in, in gist, that's it. When you think about this morning, for those of you, if you've accepted Christ at some point in your life, maybe many years ago, and yet, quite frankly, when you think about it, you've never actually said, at least confessed publicly, that you believe on Christ, that you know that He's your Savior, you're born again. I'll encourage you. I'm not asking you to pray about where you should do it or not, because God's already said you should do it. We should do it. You don't have to pray about, well, Lord, should I do that or not? Oh, He's already said. So what we want to do is just say, Lord, I, I, yes, I will. I will do that. And I want you to know that there's breakthrough in that. There's something about that open declaration that does something. on Just like water baptism. That's an open confession or profession of faith. There's something about that. There's a gra I believe there's a grace in that. There is a work of grace. God does something in that when we honor him that way. And so anytime particularly as we're closing out in prayer, we've got music or even worship here at the end. You know, it's a prime opportunity for you to just take a step out. It's not bragging on yourself. No, no, no. It's not about self It's not about church. It's not about feeling condemned, so I've got to go up front. That's not what this is about. It's saying, you know, I love Jesus. Jesus is real to me. He's my Savior. I want to know Him better. I want, I want to obey Him. I want to find His purpose for my life. And I want to confess him publicly as my, Lord Jesus is my Savior. You know, that's all you have to say. Lord Jesus, I, he's my Savior. And when you say that and it's witnessed by others around you, I believe there is a work of grace. There's something that God does. It's a blessing to you that helps. So always know that if that uh, the opportunity is here for you to do that and I, I tell you what, you'd never regret doing it. Confess it, say it. Important. Look at Mark eleven twenty three. Mark eleven twenty three. Jesus says, "Truly I say to you, whoever says to this mountain be be taken and up and cast into the sea." Now that's a pretty strong statement, and we usually spiritualize that because in most situations we don't know of any real mountain that needs to be moved. But we do have mountains of problems, and we have issues there that just stand as barriers to us. But Jesus says, speak to that. Be taken up, be cast in other words, be gone, get out of my way. He says, if you, if you say to the mountain. Now there we have to understand that he's not really specifically talking about prayer. But I want to go ahead and include that in this message. He doesn't say, you come up before a mountain and say, mountain, Please move in Jesus' name. That's normally the way we pray. Oh God, oh God, please move that mountain. One of our problems as Christians is sometimes we're praying when we ought to be saying in faith. Because that's what he's saying. He says, you know, if you see this mountain, tell it to get out of your way. And it'll move. 
Oh, now, before we get carried away with that, this is not a magic trick. It's not like you can live a casual Christian life, mediocre faith, bouncing back and forth in your, in your time spent with him, and then walk up and say, mountain, move. That mountain's not going to get out of your way. But if you learn to walk in faith with him and believe his word completely, and you might start with a small hill before you get to the mountain. You have to move progressively with your faith. When you get in faith situations and you know what God said about it, sometimes you've got to speak to that situation. Jesus talked to storms. He talked to a fig tree. He talked. Something happened in the spiritual realm that changed the physical circumstance. You and I can learn how to speak and see changes. But prayer of faith, praying, faith must precede that. Just saying, oh, the word says if I go out and say, you know, this, it'll happen. No, again, it's not for the casual Christian. This is for the follow Christ that will believe totally his word. It says, be, he says, if you believe, if you say to this mountain and you don't doubt in your heart, in other words, it's a settle, it's, it's done already in your heart. If you don't doubt in your heart, but you believe that, but this man believes that what he says is going to happen, it'll be granted to him. It says, if you believe in your heart, do not doubt at all. If you will say it, it will happen. That's what Jesus says. You need to line up what you say with what God says and then simply say it. Well, it doesn't seem like it's that way. That doesn't matter. I'm not asking, this is not about people ignoring what's going on around them. Well, I know that's, what, it, that's what, what I see, but I'm saying something different. Well, you may see something. You're not ignoring that you see it, but what you're saying is, that's not what I will receive. That's not what I'll accept. That's, what I, that's not what I see is real. That's not what I see is real. You see, if what you see is contrary to what God's word is, then you can change what you see by what God's word says. But it's not only about praying in faith. It is about lining up your words afterwards because I said before, there's power in your words and you can undo your praying by what you say. Be careful about doing that. The final word is when you pray, what then is forth is then act. Act. There should be corresponding action. Pray, then act on it. Give me a couple of examples of how to do that. Let's suppose praying, oh Lord, I pray for a healthy marriage. Lord, I know this is your will. Lord, I, I, I pray that you would make our marriage stronger. Well, what do you do then after you pray that? What do you do then? You just wait for God to supernaturally change your wife? Or a husband? No. If you mean what you're saying, you're praying, Lord, I pray that you would bless our marriage, that it would become better than ever before. Then what you do then is you say, Lord, begin that work in me to be the kind of man or woman, to be the kind of husband, wife. Be, help me to love as I should love. Lord, change me. Lord, and, and it's not just about praying. It's in say, I'm going to start treating my spouse differently. 
I'm going to start talking with them differently. And I'll say, let's say not necessarily differently. If you're already doing a great job there, then keep it up. But I'm going to, I'm going to speak into my spouse's life in a way that builds them up and helps them, encourages them, blesses them. I want to express my love to them. But you also may say, well, maybe we need to go to a marriage retreat or marriage encounter. Lord, I'm praying that you'll, that you'll bless our marriage. And then you see, this, you see this small group study or a conference somewhere. And, and you say, Lord, is this what you're guiding me to do? And he may be saying, here's some steps you need to take that will improve your marriage. It doesn't happen automatically. Is that an amen or not? There's, there's action that has to be taken. Lord, I just pray over my finances, Lord. I pray, God, that my financial situation will get better. Now, I'm just going to quit my job and sit down and wait till you do it. No. No. When you pray for something, something, act on it. Be a diligent, hard worker. Trust God. Be a giver. Be a giver. As long as you're stealing from God, as long as you're right, you don't expect the blessings of God to pour out on you the way He desires. Be a giver. Be a diligent worker. Be faithful in the little. And God trusts you with much. Let God teach you how to better handle your finances. Don't do stupid things. There's all kinds of things you can do that you act on your praying. Lord, he'll give you wisdom. He'll show you how. And he'll supernaturally bless you financially as you sow. I believe that. However, there are steps we have to take. And you can do that into any, any aspect of life. There are times we have to take action after we pray to see the answer. Sometimes action is required before an answer can come. I think about Nehemiah. Nehemiah, read about in the Old Testament. Uh, Jerusalem been uh, taken, uh, taken over by and destroyed by the Babylonians. The city, the walls had been broken down and Nehemiah was in captivity there with the king. You read about this book of Nehemiah and, and he hears he hears accounts of how the destitute situation in Jerusalem and how all the walls are down. There's, it's, it's a matter of shame. They're, they're there's lack of defense. There's, it's just a, when the walls were down, walls over a city was an indication of the greatness, the power, the strength, the success, all those things over the city. Walls were very important. And so the walls were all down. And when he hears about that, it says, here's what it says. It says he prayed and fasted. But he didn't stop there. He went to the king, and he's before the king, and the king sensed that there was something going on. The king asked him about it. And he tells him what's happened back in Jerusalem and about the walls. And then what does Nehemiah end up doing with the blessing of the king? He ends up going and doing something about it. He goes with men to help. He has workers that he's, he oversees to do the work. He get, gathers materials in to get the work done. Yes, he prayed and fasted, but then he took action. That was necessary after he prayed to do something about it. So very necessary. You see, you don't separate true prayer and faith. I mean, they are just inseparable. True prayer and faith. And faith, prayer, I think, requires corresponding action. You put feet to your prayers. You take action. Faith requires corresponding action in the same light. Uh, Jesus said to the cripple, get up and walk. To the man with a withered hand, he said, stretch forth your hand. They take action. To the nobleman, he said, go your way. Your son lives. To the man born blind, Jesus said, go wash in the pool of Siloam. To the woman with the issue of blood, she believed that if she touched, she took action, touched his garment. To the ten lepers, he said, go show yourselves to the priests. 
Jesus was walking on water and Peter made a request. Lord, that I would come to you. And he took action. He threw his leg over the boat and there he was in faith. He had to get out of the boat. Now, he had problems after that. But at least he got out of the boat. He took action after he made a request. Actions unlock the power that is resident in faith. Act. Be willing. And, and here's the final thing. If, pray and then act. As you pray, it's important for you to remember that sometimes you are a part of that answer. That sometimes you are the answer to people's prayers. Look at James chapter 2, verse 15 through 17. It says, If a brother or sister is naked and destitute of daily food, and one of you says to them, Depart in peace, be warmed and filled, but you do not give them the things which are needed for their body, what does it profit? Let me take that in a little bit different slant. Say, if you see someone who is starving, someone who is destitute, and you have the ability to do something for them, but instead of doing something for them, I know we can't help in every situation. I know that, I understand all of that. But all too often we stop with just simply saying, I'll pray for them. We say, I'll pray for you. When maybe we just needed to reach back and to our wallets or our purses and say, here. Here, you take this, you eat. They say, well, there's a lot of there are people that take advantage of that. Sometimes, yes, there are. Use discretion. Follow the discernment of the Lord. But if we will open our eyes and look around us, no matter what your career, no matter what you're doing, no matter what's happening this week in school, if you'll open your eyes, there are opportunities out there for you to bless someone, for you to help someone. It's good to start by praying for them and keep on praying for them. But then take action. If you can be part of that answer, if you can do something about it, maybe God's answer for them is you. Pray and act. Pray and act. When you pray, believe it that it's done. When you pray, believe it. When you pray, it's important for you to stand on it. Stay in faith. Stay in faith. Don't waver. When you pray, confess it. Don't kill your prayers with your words after you pray. And when you pray, act on it. Act on it.